0: we had stumbled into this beautiful world that we were completely unequipped to manage.
1: From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature, real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Caroline Ballard. We're busy making new shows, and also taking a little break to enjoy Thanksgiving. So we thought we'd bring you a story we first ran a year ago. If you want to add to the holiday cheer, you can give us a little gift. Tell one friend about your favorite episode and show them how they can listen to human nature. Easy, right? And speaking of gifts, if you make a donation to help us produce the show, we'll send you a snazzy and very soft, I can speak from experience, t-shirt. Just click on donate at humannaturepodcast.org. In this episode, we'll hear from an outdoorsy woman who found that she had more to learn about the wilderness. Sophie May grew up in Alaska in a 20-foot
0: by 20-foot cabin her parents built. I would hook all of my stuffed animals up to a line and have my parents drag me on my scooter behind this like team of unicorns and stuffed St. Bernard's around the wood stove, and I would mush them, and it was awesome. Sophie's inspiration was her dog sled racing dad. He
1: raced the Iditarod and
0: Yukon Quest. I went to school in Fairbanks, so that was pretty normal apart. I was like this grubby kid from the outside of town, or at least that's how I envisioned myself. as. like, <laughs> I didn't feel like I really fit in. And um, like we would come to my house on field trips because my dad had the sled dog. So he would like hook the dog team up and we would take kids on laps around the neighborhood neighborhood loosely defined, of course. And so in the winter, you could hook the dog team up and head straight down onto the river, and then you have access to this plethora of trails. So like each Christmas, we would go out and get this scraggly, Charlie Brown, black spruce Christmas tree from some slough up the river with the dog team. And that was always pretty magical, right? So since you lived in such a
1: small cabin, did you have a bathroom?
0: We had an outhouse. It was, like, the scariest 200 feet you would ever walk as, like, a six-year-old in the middle of winter. 200 feet. Maybe it wasn't 200 feet, but it was not close to the house. And it was on this little wooded trail and... um, One of my worst fears ever are moose, right? And the only thing worse than a moose during the daytime is a moose in the nighttime because you can't see them and they're so quiet. Um, So I was always so scared that I was going to come around a corner and there would be this moose standing there between me and the bathroom. With that kind of
1: upbringing, which, by the way, she says isn't that unusual in Alaska, I assumed Sophie was a seasoned wilderness type. I even met her on a camping trip. But as much time as she'd spent in her backyard, she didn't have much experience in the back country. So the summer after her freshman year of college, she decided it was time for her first backpacking trip.
0: I hadn't really done this, but it seemed like it was something that I should do as somebody that was from Alaska and identified so strongly with being an Alaskan. And I called a couple of my friends from high school up and I was like, okay, We're going to do this trip, and it's going to be awesome. It's 27 miles one way. We're not going to run a shuttle, so we're going to go there and back, and we can do it in, like, three days. I'm sure my mom was super worried. I'm sure that she was, you know, sweating by the phone.
1: Sophie's destination, the Chugach National Forest in central Alaska
0: you're looking at this pretty temperate climate. It's like big trees, huge mountains, tons of glaciers, and it can also be quite remote. And we knew there were gonna be a lot of bears, so we brought one can of bear spray. None of us had ever used bear spray, had been trained on bear spray. Until a few years ago, I had never heard of bear
1: spray. Bear spray is like pepper spray on steroids. The bottle is bigger, the formula is stronger, And it can stop a 500-pound grizzly
0: from charging you. So yeah, that weekend we packed up. We got in my dad's Toyota Tacoma. We get there. Somebody had been treed by a bear maybe two weeks beforehand. So they had all the signage up where it's like, be bear aware. Make sure that you're traveling with bear canisters, which we didn't have. Bear canisters are for keeping bears away from your food. You know, and now I look back and like, oh my God, I didn't have a bear canister. Um, You know, but I just, I wasn't thinking about it. It wasn't something that 19-year-old Sophie was concerned with. We're super excited. Somebody has a big camera. We're like documenting the crap out of the first 300 feet that we hike. As we're hauling up this really steep trail, it's just up for probably, like, 2,000 feet. I think that was when we started to realize that it was, like, something that none of us had really ever done before, and we started to get into, like, this sort of misty, wet-temperate, tundra-type alpine climate. There were some really beautiful waterfalls. We were psyched on that. There was some old mining equipment that had been like scattered around. So we got excited about that. We got up to the top of this climber and this whole valley opened up in front of us and it was so sunny and you had glaciers on the right and there were snowfields on the left and everything else was just this beautiful green because the snow melt, everything was still blooming, you know, so like We had stumbled into this beautiful world that we were completely unequipped to manage. We didn't have the appropriate gear to be crossing snowfields, but we did, and we did it in one piece, which was great. And meanwhile, we were getting passed by, like, ultra runners and they're like glissading down these snow fields on their jackets and stuff. And we were just trekking with these like 1970s backpacks that we had borrowed from our parents. We're looking around, um, our quads are burning, like everything hurts, we're sweating. This is way more than we thought we were getting into. And it ended up taking us, I think we had planned to travel at least half of the distance that day, so about 10 miles but by the time we got to the top of that climb we're like this has to stop (laughs) we need to find somewhere to camp it's already it was probably five or so in the evening I mean daylight was not an issue at all we weren't concerned about that because it's just not something you worry about in Alaska in the summer but we were tired and we wanted dinner So we got down into this valley, and we set up camp, and we had dinner. We didn't cook anything because we hadn't thought about how to actually cook things, so we had, like, packed sandwiches or something, kind of depressing like that. So we had our dinner sandwiches, and everybody, like, crawled into the tent and got cozy and read their book or whatever, (laughs) fell asleep. Beautiful sound of a trickling creek nearby. It was great, right? And we were feeling pretty tough, like really sore, but we were, we were feeling good. Uh, I don't think anybody at this point had brought up the t- idea of maybe not making it all the way to Eagle River, which was on the other side. Um, we just weren't talking about it. <laughs> we were tired and we just weren't talking about it.
1: But the next day, Sophie and her friends would be forced to think about whether their trip could continue. That's after the break. My colleague Aaron Jones and I want to tell you about a new podcast. If you like human nature, and we think you do if you're this far into the episode, we think you'll also enjoy this project that some folks at Colorado Public Radio have been working on. It's called The Taxman. It's the story of how a political outsider came to Colorado and led an unlikely revolution and the lasting impact it's had. It's about taxes, but stay with us even though it's not specifically about nature. Not that taxes don't impact nature. Not at all. And the story hits on that, too. But what I was going to say is that The Taxman tells a really incredible story. You may think public policy and taxes are boring, but The Taxman unfolds like a novel, and you won't want to stop listening. So, on one of these road trips, Bruce comes to Colorado. He drives up Interstate 25. So I drove on, got to Colorado Springs after dark, stayed in a crummy motel on North Nevada. I woke up in the morning and uh, opened the door of the motel, and bam, there was Pike's Peak. Pike's Peak the 14,000-foot mountain that inspired America the Beautiful. He finally noticed those mountains. And it's the moment when he falls in love with his new home. Check it out at taxman.cpr.org. Again, that's taxman.cpr.org. Back to Alaska. The next morning, the group was well-rested. Things were looking up for Sophie and her friends.
0: We wake up and of course the sun is shining and there are birds and the creek is still right next to us. And I'm like down brushing my teeth just down the creek a little bit. And I heard a lot of profanity and I turned around and I saw the pepper spray can fly out of the tent. And somehow in the shuffle, the safety had come off of the pepper spray and it had deployed in the tent. Somebody had been shuffling their sleeping bag. That's where the safety got knocked off. And as they went to go start stuffing the sleeping bag into the stuff sack, that's when the nozzle got hit. I don't know how long it was held down, but the pepper spray just disappeared. And I was standing downwind of it, so I got just, like, a very light dusting of the capsaicin. But my two friends that were still in the tent got hosed. And you could, like, see it on the tent roof and... It was not a good situation. But of course, none of us had any experience with pepper spray, much less how to treat somebody that's been sprayed with pepper spray. And nobody knew, and my one friend still had the sleeve that the pepper spray had come in, and so that was like, if <laughs> if pepper spray accidentally deploys, please call this number. And we had all looked at it and thought, oh, perfect, because we have cell reception. So we're worried about that, and they're putting water on it. And of course, that's like the first thing that you're not supposed to do is put any water on it, but you know, you just want it off. Yeah, they're trying to manage their situation. At this point in my life, I wasn't very good at empathizing, so I was just like, thank God I did not get hosed, right? And I'm trying to manage things as everything is just kind of falling apart in front of us. And I look up on this hillside and probably... 1,500 feet above us, because we were camped right at the base of this mountain. There's a sow and two black bear cubs coming down. And right behind my fear of moose is a fear of bears. And so I looked up on the mountain, I saw this happening, and I knew that we had to go, right? Like, obviously my friends are covered in capsaicin. There are bears coming down a mountain. I'm breaking down the tent and trying to pack everything up as quickly as possible. My heart is racing like 3,000 miles a minute because my friends can see again. They're walking and I know that we have to go. So we managed to get everything packed up still see the bears just kind of moseying. They weren't like charging, but it was this owl with two cubs and that's something you really don't want to meddle with. That's not good juju at all. We had no bear spray. So we knew that we had to get up out of this valley, which was probably, I mean, it was probably a 1500 foot climb, but there were snow fields and now my friends are covered in pepper spray. And so as we started to hike out, <laughs> Of course, their pores open up. They start to sweat. The capsaicin leaches into their skin. They're burning all over again, and it's just as bad. So it's just this disaster. Did the profanity continue all the way to the car? Oh, my God, yes. Are you kidding me? We were all, we were young. We weren't with our parents. We were covered in capsaicin. Of course, we were swearing left and right. Because what else do you do (laughs) at that point? You're just totally out of other expressions. So we managed to hike out and that was the the conclusion of our trip. We managed to get back to Anchorage, I had family there, we got them in the shower which again was a stupid idea because their pores opened back up and we should have just bathed them in whole milk, that would have helped to mitigate some of their pain. So that was the tale of my failed misadventure. (laughs) Of course, if Sophie had been coated in bear
1: spray like her friends, she might remember the trip differently. But even though the grand backpacking trip was cut short, it gave Sophie a taste of something.
0: Yeah, I think had I been sprayed with pepper spray, maybe, you know, my interests and career would have not gone the direction that they have. And that trip, I think, really, really cemented my interest in becoming more independent outside Like, I feel like so much of this is personality, that this turned you
1: on to being in the outdoors. Whereas for someone else, that would be like, that's
0: the last time I ever went camping. Because of my experience as a child, not being outside wasn't an option for me. So when this happened, when I watched my two friends get sprayed with pepper spray and there are bears and there's this glacier and then there's this ice field and I don't know if the car is going to start. I wanted to be able to do that again, but with the certainty that things would work out. While it was kind of traumatic, I was so happy. I have this picture on my wall that, it's still on my wall, it's been so long since that happened, but it's a picture of me in front of this glacier, just smiling stupid happy. Like I was so excited, my smile was just a mile wide. Um, From this trip, from that trip yeah and I think that was when I really fell in love with the mountains and there's there's this feeling of being totally exposed when you know that you're somewhere as big as Alaska right and it it just kind of settles into your gut and you realize that this is the feeling of being somewhere so massive and so remote
1: Sophie went on to study outdoor education, and she's about to get her master's in natural science education. Now, she even teaches classes on the proper use of bear spray. If you enjoyed the episode, you can help other people find the show, too, by giving us a rating on iTunes or sharing it with your friends. I'm Caroline Ballard. The show's producers are Aaron Jones, Anna Rader, and Micah Schweitzer. The theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media.
0: It's human nature.